We met on the gram, became instant BFFs, and we're two girls here to empower women to be self-reliant. Hey, I'm Amy, founder of Alexo Athletica. And I'm Emily, the creator of Stami Tactical. And we are Not, Not Your, Your Average, Average Gun, Gun Girls. Girls. We're calling on our friends, industry insiders, and speaking to people about major moments in their lives. We talk guns, personal safety, share lifestyle tips, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your vav because you, you can, can sit with, with us. to another episode of Not Your Average Gun Girls. Emily, this doesn't we look are, like our studio. No, it doesn't. It's a little different. What? Where are oh, we? We are still in Dallas. <laughs> we are still in Dallas. <laughs> we are still in Dallas. But we are at the Young Women's Leadership Summit. Yes. Turning Point USA's Woo. YWLS, one of our favorite, favorite events to go to every year that we've been going to for, I want to say, the very beginning. Like when it was at the hotel at the DFW airport. Oh my gosh. And we were in the hallway. I remember I had like a semi booth. I don't know if you were there. I've been going since 2017. So I've been going for was a Antonia? while. Was Antonia? Yep. Yep. Dang, we had, we, I mean like Alexo, there's like right when we were starting and there was a mannequin, like a mannequin <laughs> and like a, I think we printed off a Kinko's Yes, I remember that. But but there was no exhibit hall. There was no, none of, none of this. There was no media row. There there was none of this. So we've been doing this for a long time and it is one of our absolute favorite events to come to. And we are with one of our absolute favorite Turning Point contributors. We are with Isabel Brown. How are you? So excited to finally be on the podcast. I know know. our schedules have been crazy. We've been trying to do it, I think, for a long long time. A long time. Well, um, we wanted to have you like physically there. Yeah. I mean, we it's always we better. We could have zoomed fun. you, of course. <laughs> zoomed you in. Yeah, but we, want, we love it in person. It's so much better. Yeah, but I'm like, so we were excited. Trying, we were trying to get together in D.C. Back when, yeah. we, back when we both were living in D.C. That was a hot minute ago, yes, too. But you two are some of my favorite people Aww. to work with in the influencer space. You are so genuine, so authentic. And that's true of so many people at Young Women's Leadership yeah. Summit every year. So this is always my favorite event we do every single calendar year. And it's just great to be back with everybody that we love. What do you get most excited? excited about coming here every year for me it's really like a passage of time milestone my very first ever political conference exposure to the conservative movement was ywls in 2017 and i was on campus at my college at that time being completely ridiculed for being an outspoken conservative in biomedical sciences and student government, which were really my two big involvement pieces on my college campus. Uh, I was that conservative girl, that white power Barbie girl on my campus in Colorado. And I actually got a targeted Facebook ad for this event in 2017, had no idea who Turning Point USA was, had certainly no idea who Charlie Kirk was. I actually had to Google him when he went on stage (laughs) to open up the entire event. I was completely clueless. But from minute one, I totally fell in love with this organization, with what we were telling young women in terms of actually empowering them to take their American dream into their own hands and run with it and just the conservative movement in general. So I totally pivoted my life plan after that event and I've had a totally different life since. That's back when um, Facebook wasn't censoring as much as they were, especially if you were able to get a targeted turning point ad. I wonder if you would still get that same targeted (laughs) turning point ad. I have absolutely no idea, but it has been just so cool to see how things have grown in the last few years and I certainly never ever anticipated I would be sitting here working in media and being a spokesperson or contributor public speaking or any of that start I guess really getting into that side of I guess yourself in terms of like looking into being a conservative or just trying to start 
kind of talking about it more because were you always like did you come from a political background in terms of like were these are conversations you were having with your family at the dinner table they totally were and okay. I loved that about my upbringing I like to say that my career path was never going to be in politics my dream was to be a trauma surgeon because I love science I love the human body I love That's anatomy wild. and I really wanted to help people based on that love as best as I possibly could so my degree is actually in biomedical sciences from Colorado State University and then I ended up getting my master's degree in biomedical sciences policy and advocacy very long name <laughs> from Georgetown University when we were still living in DC um, and so I love science because I love the pursuit of objective truth and that's really what I wanted to study and embrace in my career but I was always raised in a very politically active household my parents are Catholic lawyers so as you can imagine we spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> politics and religion at the dinner table we were always forced to watch the State of the Union as kids and understand oh what was happening in government our parents would quiz us afterwards and when I was in high school my mom actually forced me to join the competitive speech and debate team which at the time I said mom that is literally social suicide. Those are the weird kids that have no friends and carry rolly back backpacks to school. And they go to these weird random high school cafeterias in suits every single weekend. I already have no friends. That would be the literal death sentence of my high school experience. And she said, it's just gonna set you up so well for your future. I'm gonna make you go for one month. And if you still hate it after one month, you don't have to do it anymore. And I said, oh my gosh, fine. So I show up and for the first two weeks, totally dragged my feet into every single competition. I hated it, I was not about it. And then on the third week, I kind of realized if I took the time to actually try at this, I could probably be pretty good. And for the next three years, I was the captain of the speech oh and debate gosh, team. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I went to the national competition representing Colorado several times and totally fell in love with that pursuit of objective truth, what I wanted to end up utilizing in college with the study of science. Uh, and taking the time to do the research to understand the 360 degree perspective on every single issue because the event that I was doing, Student Congress, required that I wouldn't know what side of an issue I would take until I was in the moment. Basically, whenever you had wow. an opportunity to advocate, you always would, whether you agreed with that personally or not. Uh, and so learning how not only to defend your positions that you personally had, but also those that you vehemently disagreed with was the best training I could have possibly gotten I to work like in politics. I feel like that's a life skill everyone needs. I know. I was like, can we like go and take these classes now because I feel I, I mean thank goodness your mom had the foresight she had no idea this <laughs> right. is what you were going to be doing but wow did she set you up because now you're hosting your own show uh called outdated and you do just that like I always love watching your shows because you the way that you come at arguments mm -hmm. is so good and and I just love how you break things down so like who would have known that you were training for that way back God, in the day. I guess is yeah. the only I mean, answer. Gosh, right. God kind of had a plan he for totally you. He so. totally did the whole time. <laughs> and really in college was when I made the big switch to start walking towards this for a career path. Um, I knew it was too late to change my major and I loved what I was studying anyway by the end of junior year or so. And in between junior and senior year, I actually worked at the White House for President Trump as an intern. So really got involved in the political yeah. movement that way. Um, so decided to continue pursuing science academically, but from a career perspective, started building a bit of a following on social media after college graduation was doing as many local media interviews and hits as I could in Colorado to defend what we were doing to bring a conservative voice to Colorado State University and uh, got an opportunity with PragerU after graduation and then that's Turning right. Point USA. And here we are three years later, almost to the day. So Remind it's been really me. cool. That's been a... That's a busy yeah fast tracked three years i feel like that little bit that you said is like somebody who's lived like like that could be their entire career and you're like this this and this. they would be happy with yeah, that of amazing course. career but remind me were you involved with campus carry 
initiatives on your campus? I think campus? that started right after I had graduated. I was very fortunate in the state of Colorado to have campus carry laws that protected our ability to carry firearms on my college campus. Uh, and you guys can read all about this in my book, Front Lines, but I was extremely targeted on my campus to the point that I was receiving death threats almost every single day from students I went to class with, from random adults in the community. What was that coming because from? Because I had started a Turning Point USA chapter ah. in my community and we were bringing speakers like Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens, and Dennis Prager to my campus, which all of a sudden became a security threat and risk for a public school that's largely agriculturally based in northern Colorado. Uh, Antifa was really just coming onto the scene as a really big player in the political movement. So people were driving from every single Western state to come to Colorado and to cause absolute mayhem at our events. We actually had to have the National Guard come to our event what? with Charlie. And we had snipers on top of our computer science building so that people wouldn't drive cars through the massive crowds of people protesting Charlie's presence on campus. So that was absolutely crazy. That was the spring, February time of 2018. And that's really when things started to heat up for me. As I mentioned, I was getting death threats all the time. Uh, I was getting rape threats and threats of violence from people that I personally knew and my address to my one-bedroom apartment in college was doxed so they were online. Like, yeah. how, are they, how, how are you receiving these threats? Social media, mostly through like Facebook Messenger or whatever. I didn't even know my address had been doxed online until a friend of mine took a screenshot of it, and it was in a Facebook comment on an interview I had given to our local newspaper about one of our events, and obviously we got that taken down, and that was great. I made a lot of great friends at the CSU Police Department there sure. in Fort Collins, yeah. Colorado. Um, but I was only 20 years old at the time. I wasn't yet 21, and it was so frustrating knowing that I would have to have a late night at the library, or I would have to walk back from a late exam one night and walk right across the street, right across campus to my apartment. But no, I might not even be safe in my own apartment. How scary is that? So the minute I turned 21, I purchased a handgun. I got my concealed carry permit in the state of Colorado. And I was very fortunate to live in a state that did protect my right to carry yeah. on campus because my entire, entire senior year at that point, I could protect myself if I was in a bad situation. But that is not the norm. And it's very surprising sure. that a state like Colorado that yeah. has such extreme gun control laws did protect that because my friends right up the road at the University of Wyoming didn't have that right. Yeah, so in yeah. Texas, like that wasn't a thing in Texas either. And people think Texas is so pro-God. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, we are to a, like more than DC sure. or more than like California. But I mean, like there's still, it's not just like a free for all, you know, yeah, wild, right. wild west, everyone go have a gun and carry it. On. I mean, they, they can now with constitutional carry, but yeah. you know, but I mean, that's, that's so true. And I'm glad that you say that because I think I think you called me when you got your gun and your license. And I was like, I'm so excited for you because I, I saw your trajectory within like just the influential space with all this. And I was like, ah, oh, this is, this is so needed. We need more young women like yourself actually like taking a hold of their second amendment and not just saying, I believe in the second amendment. Right. I support it, but actually doing it exercise like literally exercising living second, it out living right, it yeah. out you know and I'm so thankful for what you do because you are such a voice of reason and I think so many young women look up to you and so you know I'm just really thankful for what you've been doing for such a long time thank so, you you yeah. know it's been an interesting journey within the second amendment conversation for me in particular I occasionally will post about being really pro-gun or really 2A but that's not necessarily my brand as a creator I'm much more of a Gen Z culture 
cultural lifestyle influencer. And so I think it's interesting when I do post about that, the conversations that come out of that, mostly people are just curious mm -hmm. because they themselves maybe weren't exposed mm -hmm. to guns in their house when they what were growing up. What are they asking up. you? They yeah. have no idea what that actually means. I like to respond, me neither. Like I literally yeah. had no exposure to that. My dad had a few hunting rifles and shotguns in a safe in our like storage room in the basement yeah. when I was growing up, but I never went hunting with him and I didn't yeah. know how to shoot a gun. And when I went to college, I had so many friends in ROTC and they were just shocked that I didn't even know how to shoot a gun. I didn't know how to oh, pick wow. it up. And they said, fine, we'll teach you. So occasionally we would go out to the gun range and we would shoot everything from handguns to their military grade weapons and everything in between. And it was so fun to learn that because the moment I pulled the trigger on my very first gun I ever shot, which was a 22, I mean, there's like no yeah. kickback ever. I'm like, oh, this really isn't that scary. It's actually kind of fun. And I was so nervous yeah. as I was pulling yeah. back on the trigger the first time that I had no idea what to expect. Uh, and I think having that illusion shattered for me was really what got me excited mm -hmm. about shooting for fun, about potentially exercising my second amendment right to protect myself yeah. um, eventually when I did decide to get my concealed carry permit. And so I always like to encourage young adults who are curious about this, and they're questioning it, just go try it, go figure it out. What kind of questions? I mean, cause you said predominantly your audience is Gen Z, yes. right? So. Mm -hmm. Walk us through the mindset of a Gen Zer in relation to firearms, because we know yeah. what they're seeing on the media. Mm -hmm. We we know what they're hearing, but like you're on the front lines with mm -hmm. it. So what are you hearing from them right now? You know, the general attitude of Gen Z politically right now is interesting because it's very 50-50, extreme involvement, advocacy. We're not waiting for permission to do what we want to do and advocate for the causes we want to advocate for. And then the other 50% of the time is extreme apathy. And I think with the Second Amendment, we're on the apathetic side with Gen Z because hmm. largely our only exposure to firearms, especially with the conversation we're having in the media, has been related to the tragedies we've experienced sure, throughout right. our entire childhood yeah. and now coming into adulthood. When you think about Gen Z's timeline of existence, I think people have a hard time wrapping their head around what that's looked like as it's been marked by milestones of tragedy in America and so marked true. by extreme conflict. When we think young people, we think millennials, but for Gen Z, reality has been much different. Most Gen Zers were toddlers, babies, or not even born during 9-11. I was three years old when 9-11 wow. happened. Yeah. Uh, my youngest sister wasn't even born yet. She was born in 2002. So that really kicked off hmm. our entire childhood. Then we experienced school shootings and extreme violent crime all across our country all the time throughout our childhood. We experienced war to a degree that I don't think we had really ever seen in terms of proxy wars and confusion of who are we fighting. We're fighting non-state actors. And so guns really became a symbol of war for us mm -hmm. uh, and tragedy within our own backyard, in our hmm. schools, in our grocery stores and our movie theaters. I'm from Colorado. I oh, will distinctly yeah. forever remember Aurora, the Aurora theater yeah. shooting. I was at summer camp that night and my friend had gone to that movie theater to watch the Batman premiere and we didn't know what theater he was in. Thank God he was in a different room, but I will never forget that feeling of like, this is a really bad thing. This is so scary. This is taking away the life of my friends. Fast forward to as we're coming into adulthood and we saw the COVID-19 response where it literally shut down our entire concept of reality. We became apathetic to almost everything overnight because we were so isolated from one another. And again, guns became a symbol of tragedy and conflict as we saw the riots in the summer of 2020. We've seen massive spikes in homicide and violent crime. And of course, massive spikes in suicide as well in the mental health crisis. Mm -hmm that we're experiencing as a generation is unlike anything our world has ever seen. So I think when it comes to Gen Z, 
people have a strong feeling about guns. They just have no idea how to approach that. And largely it's a negative attitude yeah, because yeah. that's the only exposure we've ever been given. Well, so right, what are where you, are they getting, where are they supposed to get it from? Yeah, exactly. And what are, what are you doing? I mean, like what is, when you do post something about, I, I have my concealed carry or something that's pro 2A in, in light of, especially even like the recent tragedies that we've all experienced. I think those of us in the 2A community have a lot of work to do yeah. um, in in how we approach it, how we talk about these things, but also still continuing to stand our ground and speak up for this right that we are just, you know, one other mass shooting away from losing yeah. our rights. And maybe not even, I mean, I, those, that conversation is literally happening. Yeah, yeah we of, speak course, right well, of course, yeah. of course it is. And so like, what do you do? Where do you direct people and what do you say to them? What are the questions that they're even asking you? You know, I have a really interesting vantage point on this because I kind of have one foot in and one yeah, foot yeah. out of the 2A community. And so I see the misperception people have, but I also see where we're maybe failing to communicate properly to people who have no exposure to guns whatsoever uh, and where they maybe could be pulled in as people who can and really mm -hmm. be an advocate and a strong voice for this issue. The biggest question that I get from people is how can you possibly support guns if you say that you're pro-life or if you say you want to protect people or you say that you care. And I think that's been the narrative so significantly drilled into the head of Gen Z that guns equal murder, mm -hmm. guns equal mass shooting, guns equal war, guns equal tragedy. That's going to take Nothing away my life from, from it. or somebody else's life. Wow. Nothing good happens with a gun. That is totally a line that we have heard through mm. TV, through mm -hmm. music, through our parents, through everybody. And the reality is guns are just a tool. It's the same thing as anything else. It's the same argument I make with social media. Right. Often within the conservative movement, people say, oh, social media is so evil. TikTok is so evil. <laughs> no, it's just a tool that you can use to accomplish a certain thing. Uh, and the social media argument to spread information and to get the truth out there with the gun side of things, it's a tool that you can either use for extreme evil or for extreme good. And how we train people and equip them and help them responsibly understand mm -hmm. that is how we go in one direction or another. Do um, you find that like they're receptive? Because I, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, you know, I like to to have conversations based on facts. Yeah, mm -hmm. but facts don't always change, uh, especially no. like Gen Zers. I feel like they're very emotional and yeah. they they make very emotional decisions. They're not looking at objective truth because. How objective truth doesn't, doesn't know exist. what truth is anymore. You're right. That's the difference. And this is what I like to say to people when I give speeches to like Republican Party fundraisers or state conventions, older audiences that are more my parents and grandparents age. We have to throw out the playbook on every single issue, but especially this one for Generation Z, because reality, like life everything happening around us is upside down from everything you've ever mm -hmm. experienced. Even with millennials where everybody thinks, ah, oh, young people just scream at the sky and they're blue haired and they're so <laughs> reactive and it's the participation trophy generation. Yes, that's true. But Gen Z is nothing like millennials even. Like we have to throw out everything we thought we knew about communicating objective truth to this generation because objective truth does not exist right. in 2022 America so for Generation Z. You can throw out facts. You can throw facts out, do they, they not don't care. Hit. It's like talking to a brick wall So what this do you do? How, How are you changing hearts? You change hearts. And I think that's a great way to phrase that question is it's a heart problem more than it's a head problem we're experiencing with this next generation. I think the conservative movement as a whole, and especially the 2A community, has to make a switch in our messaging from the facts don't care about your feelings perspective, which has worked. It was very successful yeah. with millennials to if you really care, this is the side that you should take. Hmm. If you really care about protecting people's lives and if you really care about keeping kids safe at school, if you really want to go to the movie theaters or the grocery store and 
be safe and take care of your family and not have to rely on someone else to do that. If you really hate the police, which is a great argument to talk about with people, let's bring that back home to one another and put that responsibility back in our own hands and give you the tools to uh, properly equip you to That's do that. That's a very That's interesting. interesting yeah. perspective. But I also think, too, now after hearing you verbalize that, that coming from the caring kind of perspective was basically kind of what was done during COVID. Like, yep. don't you care about people's uh -huh. lives? Yep. And it's like, very effective. Don't you care? You're hurting people. You're killing people. That was used for bad during COVID. Right. Right. We saw how effective that was. And mm -hmm. I think it's because... Gen Z is really shell-shocked. They're shell-shocked by everything hmm. they've experienced throughout their entire childhood and now coming into adulthood. Our entire concept of reality has been flipped upside down. We can't define what our gender is, mm -hmm. let alone be able to have serious conversations about these issues that are logical and based in factual reality. So if we can successfully reach someone by saying, if you care about protecting kids, if you care about keeping yourself safe, if you care about ending rape culture, if you care about all of these things, which Gen Z has so much of, we really do have a humanity-centered, heart-centered generational identity. That's how we can successfully change people's minds on this issue by starting with the heart and then moving this to is, the facts This in your is mind. so interesting and so incredibly helpful for me even personally because I'm like, I want to connect with Gen Zers or whatever we're calling them. You <laughs> the know, Zoomers were also, very fun. can we we're just very like go ahead and say, like, how old are Gen Zers? Yes. Like, what are we looking Important at right definition. now? Important definition. I have to redefine this all the time because it's very confusing. Most people agree Gen Z starts the year that I was born, which is 1997. So Gen Z right now, <laughs> you're not old. Don't, don't give me black. that face. Don't give me that face. Um, so I'm 25. I just turned 25 on Friday. It goes basically between 12 and 25 is Generation Z right now. We are all kind of coming into 25. adulthood. 12, 20, 12 and 25 age. Age. That's so the Year. So what were the years? 1997, and I can't do okay, math. Okay, that's so fine. Do backwards. So basically 1997. <laughs> or below. Okay. Interestingly, the next generation, we're starting over the alphabet. It's Generation Alpha, which are the children of millennials. That. Please, for the love of God, pray for these children <laughs> because it's going to be an interesting experience. But Gen Z is about to become the largest voter demographic in America we've ever seen, the most powerful demographic we've ever seen, the people with the most access to the most information at any specific time in human history mm -hmm. and arguably the most educated generation the world wow. has ever seen. And so we have a really unique opportunity to equip this group of people with the right information yeah. to lead our country and to lead our world, but we're not sure how to get there. And I have a lot of fun content and more coming about that soon that I can't really tell oh, you much about. Can't wait for that. Um, but it's fascinating because what every young generation does in America is they rebel against the generation that came right. before them. Everybody wants to be punk rock. Everybody wants to swing for the fences and stick yep. it to the man and be different. And for millennials, that looked like becoming extreme democratic socialists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can wanting we get back anarchy. to washing our hair and wearing makeup yeah. again That's and working what it was. out? Like, we, can are. we are. We, we are getting God. back to that because <laughs> That's so a long time, I feel if like. you think about the rebelling against the previous generation, for so long, we've just lumped in Gen Z and millennial as yes. the youth. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. they're just all kind of I just assumed yeah. they were the same. Not, not the same, but just, yeah, they were younger. Yeah, yeah. everybody's just the youth. Well, but I'm a millennial, Z, but like, I'm definitely not a Gen Z. -er, Gen Z -er you know? is rebelling against the millennial identity. So we're rebelling against this idea that it has to be the collective, that we have to fall into democratic socialism and anarchy, and that we need the government to succeed. Gen Z is largely entrepreneurial, very liberty-minded. If you go on an issue- by issue basis. Forget about political parties for a second because we don't know how to define those either, just like our sure. gender. Um, on an issue by issue basis, Gen Z is the most conservative generation America has seen since huh. World War II. Wow. So if we can figure out how to communicate with them, we have a yeah. winning issue Wait, every so single time. Wait, so can I time. ask you this? Like, if they're the most conservative 
group, are you still telling me that those same people who would, I guess, align conservatively are still, like, unaware of or have, like, a misconception about firearms? Yes. We have a misconception about everything. That is extremely interesting to me because yeah, you usually where... associate pro 2A with yes. conservative, even though we know, like, the Second Amendment is, is for everybody and we know that Democrats own guns, yeah. like, independents but, own guns. But where like, is that being... I don't not not taught, but where is that being exposed? Because I feel like when you talk about, you know, the, the conservative Gen Zers and how you know they're the largest set of conservative group here, I feel like that's all very specific to political. Taking out the Second Amendment, like not Correct. talking about guns, it's all on the political aspect of it. So where are you having the conversation about the Second Amendment about guns? Because I think, you know, back. I want to say, and this is nothing against hmm. turning point at all. Everyone needs to, you know, make changes. But I feel like back in the beginning of some of the turning point events, you know, someone would come on stage and talk about our Second Amendment rights, and of course everyone would cheer because yep. it's part of the, it's part of being conservative, it's part of being, um, you know, for America. But I don't think back then that many people, like we've talked about, really understand what that means. No, they don't. The interesting huh. thing about Generation Z, and this is the big ugly secret that for whatever reason, the conservative movement, conservative Inc. with a capital C cannot figure out, we are not a political generation, period. And we've been trying to have political conversations with a generation that is completely apathetic to politics. As in like voting? You mean when you say apathetic to no. politics, like voting or getting involved in political advocacy? Yes. So okay. my dad and I had a really interesting conversation about this the other day because I was curious what his perspective was now watching all three of his Gen Z daughters come into adulthood and start to graduate from college and enter the workforce and go to our next venture. And he said what's really interesting about the 2020s is that it's oddly reminiscent of the 1970s where okay. literally every single thing in American society was political. What you wore was political. Where you went to college was political. What underwear brand you bought was political, <laughs> which now it is again, by well, the way, I with Calvin saw, Klein I, putting all this stuff out. I just saw out. a tampon. Tampons are political. Group has an exhibitor, like has an exhibition. They're like, a great are we, company here, by the no, way. They, they actually sound awesome. I love the causes that they support, but I was like, Tampon are companies really are saying men have periods, yeah. which is political. Right. right. Everything down to every product you buy in America today is making a political stance. What artists you listen to, yeah. what TV shows you watch, what car you drive, yeah. whether you drive a car, all of those things are somehow making a political statement in one way or another. And we're canceling everyone yeah, because of that. Parallel. For that reason, Gen Z is trying to rebel against that and say, we want nothing to be about politics anymore. We're a little sick and tired of all huh. of this. We just want to be left alone and live our lives. And so my dad had a prediction that he thinks the next few years, probably faster than a decade, are going to look a lot more like the 80s and 90s where nothing was about politics and people didn't talk about politics anymore. You just lived your life and watched the movies you, you liked watching and you had fun yeah. and you didn't talk about politics with your neighbors all the time and I hope and pray that is true and that's exactly what I'm seeing with Generation Z. Huh. We have to stop approaching these conversations as political issues and this isn't just isolated to the Second Amendment conversation or why you should be exposed to firearms. We're talking about abortion, we're talking about gender ideology, we're talking about education. Every aspect of the American cultural mm -hmm. experience has to be a cultural issue, not a political issue. And I think that's how the Second Amendment could become a well, warning issue I for this Well, I want to know how to talk to, like, I want to know what, what do we say? Because like, I mean, I want to, I want to make a difference. I, I want to actually connect with like, help us, help us help you as well. Like, help what, us help when, you. When it comes to firearms, <laughs> because I have no doubt that I completely understand 
the the framework of, of which they're approaching yeah. the firearm itself. Like I I get it, I understand it, and but I have a hard time like not wanting to go like like like. So what can I say? I think the easiest way to connect with this generation is to find common ground with them, first and foremost. And that's true on any political right. issue, regardless of whether or not it's related to the Second Amendment or not. When you create some sort of emotional intimacy with a Gen Z, or be it through social media content, which I would argue is the most successful way to do this, in-person conversations, speaking events that we do on college campuses or on high school campuses, and then you take it from there, that sense of intimacy really bonds you to that conversation. Whereas hmm. the way we've approached it with previous generations, particularly millennials is haha we're owning the libs here's a fact here's a viral moment on tiktok or twitter and that's good well tiktok wasn't even a millennial thing on twitter <laughs> and we're gonna blow this up and that's funny now we're viral and everybody has suddenly changed their mind that does not work for this next generation it is huh. long conversations it's patience it's respect and it's experiencing that emotional connection with someone hmm. that i think we've been lacking from a political perspective for several years now which is why we have to move towards a more cultural issue so great example if you're talking about how firearms can be used to protect women against potential issues with sexual assault or rape, the way that we used to approach that with millennials is, well, here's the fact, this percent of women carrying a gun are less likely to be sexually assaulted while they're running or whatever from yeah. Alexa. Um, this percent of women who don't have guns are more likely to be sexually assaulted by somebody. There's the facts. You can make up your mind for yourself. I think the way you approach that with this new generation is saying, you know someone who has been sexually assaulted, or maybe you yourself have been sexually assaulted and you've seen the impact that that has made on someone's life. We say we live in a rape culture. We say we live in a sexual assault culture that doesn't care about women. We're living through the middle of Me Too, which is now Men Too, I Men guess, too. after I saw Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp had a great I do not see that. Yeah, <laughs> is, that yeah. is that what That's the new yeah, phrase yeah. Like, yeah. But we're living through this era because women are finally feeling empowered to speak up about this. And there are obviously positives and negatives associated with that movement. We could spend eight hours talking about that. If you've directly experienced that, you know why it has never been more mm -hmm. important to protect women with every tool in our arsenal to do that. Here's how firearms can help you do that. Mm -hmm. See how the approach is just so yeah. much different it's from so being different. like uh -huh. the talking political head, statistic, statistic, statistic. Yeah. People get so overwhelmed by that. But when you can slow it down and it's not yell it's, it's, and not it's be statistical. It's much more relatable. And I think sometimes the statistics depending on who you're talking to, you just kind of, you're just like. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. We, no, we just literally yeah. don't care. Well, and so are Gen Zers as, that's the right word. I, I remember when I talked to a group of sorority girls about options, and I'm talking tasers, mace, and firearms. Yeah. They pushed back so much because they didn't want to accept the reality that bad things happen to people. Is that the mindset with Gen Z too? Or can you actually have the conversation to say, look, this is the reality. I mean, you guys yeah. are seeing this on the news. I mean, here's I think it's even more so than seeing it on the news. Like you're living through it yeah. statistically for lack of a better term, sure. your friends are experiencing these things. You've probably known someone who's been involved in an active shooter situation. Like, wow. you know, That's... bad things happen to yeah. good people. You mm -hmm. experience it every single day. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that connection to that reality, I think it's so much easier to level with people yeah. and say, if these things are happening, why wouldn't we take the extra step to protect these people? Mm -hmm. The most impactful conversations I've seen this 
week related to the Second Amendment after the shooting here in Texas, which was horrible yeah. and completely heart-wrenching, have been, okay, we know this happens. This is normal in American society now. How sad is that? Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be normal, right. but it is. This is happening a lot. Ever since Columbine, this has been a very, very regular occurrence. Yeah. Most people my age have been involved in some sort of school lockdown. I have. Like, wow. everybody has. That's been normal. So if that's the case... Why are we protecting our politicians that are screaming at us about this? Our Why athletes. are we protecting our banks and our mm -hmm. athletes and our favorite celebrities and BLM mansions and all these things that we say we care about, but we're not giving the same protection to kids? That doesn't make yeah. sense. It's like a good, actual, practical mm -hmm. conversation to be having with people. And that's why I get so, like, frustrated after, this, after the shooting that happened when, you know, it instantly becomes politicized yeah. without ever addressing practical things first and practical steps and i'm like ah this this is always going to the tool and it's right. always been that way with the gun it's like mm -hmm. the gun did it it's the gun's it's fault the gun's everything fault. get rid of guns even though a gun was used to actually at the end stop the guy exactly Correct. I mean, and i think this was a great opportunity for us to point towards the horrible situation that this happened and look at the person who committed this crime and say this person was really broken this is mm -hmm. a broken human being who very clearly doesn't understand their perception of reality they can't define their gender identity they don't, they don't know what is really going on around them and if we can point to that and say we have a problem like this and mass like we have mm -hmm. the most anxiety the most depression the most substance abuse the most suicide attempts ever in american history with this next generation generation Man. z we are a broken generation why and if we start asking those questions and we start getting to the root of it, it's mm -hmm. easy to see how these things manifest sure. in horrible situations like mass but shootings, you're talking like about increased homicides. Yes. A long, long you're time to turn this ship around and yes. to actually... St and also, how do you legislate? How do you start to undo legislation that has kind of gotten us to where yeah. to where we are? And in the meantime, like, let's start doing practical things to start securing our, our schools That's and making our schools safer. Great question. You know, so I mean, this is a question that they don't people don't want to i feel like look at because it's just so easy to blame the gun sure that's and a lot that easier than fixing society and cultural and well because going that also hearts. starts with oh i'm sorry you want me to actually have a sit-down dinner with my family yeah like is anyone doing that anymore the no. nuclear family is being dismantled so of course like just asking how your child is doing that's too easy. Yeah. You know? And I also think we make the mistake. The left loves to just blame the gun, blame the gun, blame the gun. Let's get rid of them. All of them. They are all bad. They are all evil. That's a mistake. It's mm -hmm. also a mistake for conservatives to be like, how do we legislatively protect our right? That's important, yes, but that's not the entire crux of the argument. And I think it's interesting because in the conservative movement, we always like to say politics is downstream from culture, but we're not living that out. We are living the opposite of yeah. that right now, where we're going about something politically and trying to solve something politically and expecting culture is going to catch up later on down yeah. the line. Well, this has all been super helpful. Not I really where I thought this conversation <laughs> no, was going to go, but no. I, I appreciate it because it is so big in our, yeah. our country right now. And I think we're all asking these questions. We're all trying to figure out what we can do, how we can be better, how we can solve a problem that is like so multifaceted there is not one stop shop solution to, no, to figuring not. this out and, and so, i do want to say before we end the episode too 
people have a really misguided perception of what people calling most people calling for gun control are actually advocating for. We think of the Bernie Sanders and the Kamala Harris's and the Joe Bidens, and we're like, that is evil. You're trying to take away our right to protect ourselves. Yes, that's true. But the vast majority of people who are not elected officials on the left and they're not talking heads and they don't have a million followers on Instagram, those people really just want to protect people. Mm -hmm. And they are so misguided and they're so confused. Yeah. And all they've ever been told is the only way to accomplish that is to take away the tool, to take away the means to do that. If we can break down the very extreme political polarization we're experiencing and have real honest conversations with people, I think we would be amazed to see the common ground that we have yeah. and the direction that we can be moving forward in as a country. Because I can tell you what, in the aftermath of the shooting in Texas last week, almost every single post I saw on social media was the exact same post. The last sentence was different. The last sentence was either we have to take away guns, it's time for gun control now, or they're going to use this as an opportunity yep. to take away guns, da, 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 da. but the whole first part of every single yeah. post was exactly mm -hmm. the same yeah. sentiment. And so I think if we can just get over the fact that like people who disagree with you maybe don't even know where they're coming from. Right. They don't know why they believe what they do. It's maybe just the only thing they've ever been told, especially for young people who this, this is the narrative, the only yeah. narrative we've mm -hmm. ever been exposed to. That's when we can actually find common ground and move forward for this That's issue. That's great. Well, you never know what you're going to get here on Not Your Average Gun Girls. We roll with the punches and Amen. take, you know what, we just have some <laughs> interesting guests this that come on our show and this is why we right. love this place yeah. because we just you never know what we're gonna get and this was extremely helpful i hope you guys have found this really helpful to let everyone know where they can find you yes and your show if they want to continue having these type of conversations and hearing what you have to say so as amy mentioned i host a show on a much different topic with dating and relationships <laughs> called outdated it comes out every tuesday and you can listen on apple Podcasts, on spotify or watch on youtube and you can find me all across social media platforms at the isabel brown awesome, awesome. thanks isabel so much Thank you so on. much for coming on. And, Thanks for uh, having me. We're going to have more episodes. Yep. More stuff coming from Young Women's Leadership Summit. So stay tuned. Not Your Average Gun Girl Show and its related companies, Alexa Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC, shares information that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. A reminder that laws vary for each state, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Any items, services, products, and advice mentioned during the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show should be used at your own discretion in accordance with your local and state laws, and you should follow applicable manufacturer's instructions. Not Your Average Gun Girls, Alexa Athletica LLC, and Stami Tactical LLC cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared. 